This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Smart Pixel. Turn your website's anonymous visitors into engaged customers. SmartPixel turns your anonymous website visitors into fully identified first-party consumer data. When this match and identification takes place, SmartPixel can return up to 300 attributes on the consumer. You get name, postal address, email, gender, and date of birth, plus more specific details like home ownership, vehicle ownership, political party affiliation, presence of children in the household, and many more. SmartPixel. Real-time information about your website visitors, easy to install, and fully GDPR and CCPA compliant. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash smartpixel. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash S-M-A-R-T-P-I-X-L. And thank you. This is Sam Bankman-Fried. People call him SBF. He's the founder of FTX. He also controlled a crypto hedge fund called Alameda Research, but that's all gone now. He wants you to think he's a sweet guy. He even brought in a famous YouTuber who called him the most generous man in the world. Yep, that happened. Truth is, Sam Bankman-Fried is a liar and a crook. His personal crypto FTX token was basically a Ponzi scheme hidden below layers of Moonbro jargon. He even went on Bloomberg's podcast and bragged about it. Yep, that happened. He used his Ponzi token as collateral to borrow billions of real dollars that he couldn't pay back. He then used those real dollars to build an empire out of dying companies like Voyager and BlockFi. This led Jim Cramer to call him the new JP Morgan. That's weird. It's not like Jim Cramer to promote a billionaire con artist. SBF sold people cryptos like Bitcoin, or so they thought. What they really bought from SBF was an IOU. But as long as everyone didn't cash in their IOU at the same time, the scheme worked. Until it didn't. This other a-hole who hates SBF came along and engineered a bank run with some passive-aggressive tweets. It worked. SBF didn't have enough money to repay everyone at once, and now now his customers have lost everything. He'll be happy to know that this is exactly how every bank in the world operates. So where did all the money go? He misappropriated $4 billion trying to save his failing hedge fund. Whoops, that's a felony. He spent $21 million on Super Bowl commercials, $5 million for the big guy, $40 million in campaign donations. I wonder what he wanted in return. And everyone who's pointing at this story and saying, This is exactly why we need to regulate crypto. Remember that SBF stole billions. That's already a crime. And he spent a lot of it on bribing politicians. Also a crime. In order to create a crypto monopoly for himself. Government regulations don't protect the customers. They protect the crooks. That's exactly what SBF was trying to do. That was YouTuber Nobody Special Finance explaining the recent collapse of FTX, the world's second largest cryptocurrency exchange, spearheaded by Sam Bankman-Fried. If you are not a crypto enthusiast or in the finance sector, you might better know FTX as the arena where the NBA team, the Miami Heat, play their home games. The building had been called FTX Arena since June of 2021 and a 19-year, $135 million sponsorship agreement between FTX and the county was just getting started. But now Miami-Dade County and the Miami Heat have released the following statement. The reports about FTX and its affiliates are extremely disappointing. Miami-Dade County and the Miami Heat are immediately taking action to terminate our business relationships with FTX, and we will be working together to find a new naming rights partner for the arena. The exchange's meltdown took the net worth of founder Sam Bankman-Fried, who positioned himself as the public face of crypto, from $16 billion to zero. 
He resigned as CEO, but is still being investigated for possible crimes or securities law violations. This is one of several major developing stories we plan to cover today, and it certainly is the most epic. On an entirely different note, can electric buses act as batteries on wheels? From Autoverse Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. All right. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I am Ryan Girardi. Great, as always, to be here with you. As I was saying, the sudden collapse of FTX is not the only developing story we are covering today, but it certainly is the most epic. You might recall Kanye West being canceled by brands such as Adidas a couple of weeks ago for making anti-Semitic remarks. That was overshadowed last week by Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. And now Meta, as expected, has laid off 11,000 staffers, with the company dragged down in large part by CEO Mark Zuckerberg's commitment to building a metaverse that possibly nobody cares about. This story cracks me up because what's ironic is he thinks he needs to build a metaverse or the metaverse and even change the company name to Meta when, in fact, we are already in a metaverse. This digital, ethereal world that we live in is the metaverse. Really, we're like cyborgs plugged into this metaverse. Now, That is not your only option in life. You can pick and choose how you're connected to this metaverse, but the metaverse exists, it's live and well, and the idea of Mark Zuckerberg thinking he has to recreate it to be animated avatars and some sort of virtual reality really shows his inability to relate to the real world. Zuckerberg, in many ways, got super lucky and is way over his head right now. Now, Elon Musk's second week in charge of Twitter was chaotic, including the frenzied launch of his pay-for-blue check plan, which had to be paused after accounts impersonating big brands revealed its flaws. He even said the company could go bankrupt. This has an inspired confidence in how he's leading his other major ventures. Tesla stock, for instance, which was already having a rough year, has fallen 6% in just this week. So these tech geniuses are not looking too genius right now. Of course, Zuck and Musk could both still turn things around, but this week's giant missteps suggest that maybe the stories we tell ourselves about the biggest personalities in big tech are not all that true. And maybe a decade of low interest rates has helped them out more than we all realize. Or, as Mike Novogratz, a crypto investor who expects to lose $77 million in the FTX debacle, put it this way. This is a tale as old as time. Some young charismatic guy in Bermuda shorts with floppy hair charmed the 20 best investors and regulators in the world. If you want to dig a little deeper into the FTX collapse, there is a great article. I'll put a link to the show notes by Jordan Schachtel on his publication called The Dossier. It's called The True Believer, How Sam Bankman-Fried's Worldview Facilitated the Creation and Destruction of a Crypto Ponzi Empire. Jordan, the author, explains how SBF, against that San Bankman Freed, has dedicated his life to the philosophy of effective altruism. He spent his entire adult life surrounding himself with his ideological comrades and only his ideological comrades. And SBF's friends believe in effective altruism. His lovers believe in effective altruism. His business partners believe in effective altruism. So that's a pretty insightful read. 
and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. When it comes to Twitter and Elon Musk, well, all bets are off at this point. If I had to hedge my bets, I say he reigns Twitter in, reinvents it quickly, and puts it on a stable course towards profitability and clearly will stop serving as a platform for corrupt media and harmful ideologies. However, that is a deep rabbit hole we don't really want to get into. So how about some headlines? All right, so to kick things off, COP27 talks began last week with a deal to discuss climate reparations. UN climate talks began in Egypt last Sunday with a deal to discuss how rich countries can help pay for the damages caused by global warming elsewhere. And the breakthrough, as reported in advance by Bloomberg, will allow diplomats to officially debate so-called loss and damage for the first time during the two-week conference in Egypt's Sharm el-Sheikh resort. So basically, developing countries have been demanding a discussion on climate reparations since Conference of Parties, or COP, meetings started in the early 90s. But industrialized nations that have prospered for these centuries at the expense of the planet reportedly blocked off efforts to add it to the agenda, fearing it would open up demands for billions of dollars in compensation for poorer countries, which is precisely what is happening. Yesterday, the U.S. proposed its solution, getting companies to cough up the cash instead. The proposal laid out by U.S. climate envoy John Kerry would let businesses pay to offset their own emissions by funding developing nations' transition to clean energy. So why does everyone hate it? Well, it's not only that critics of carbon offsets describe them as mere greenwashing, lets companies keep polluting, but also that it looks like the rest of the world, like the U.S., is trying to avoid paying its fair share. This is as European countries have offered to pitch in with direct aid. The problem is the current U.S. political environment really doesn't make giving billions in financial aid, which requires congressional approval, to get through, which is not the case when it comes to something like the war in Ukraine. We can get billions of dollars there. So that's pretty interesting. We will see how that evolves. It definitely is going to move slowly, but that's where you can see that the the discussions are opening up at the COP27. Moving on to something fringe but similar, Ford Motor Chief electrification officer Doug Field has shared some of his thoughts on potential bottlenecks that could be faced by electric vehicles today. According to Field, some of these constraints are inadequate charging networks and the limited availability of battery raw materials. This is an example of rich nations like Europe and the U.S. that operate in underdeveloped countries for things like mining raw materials for batteries and electronics. And so that's why these nations want to have a discussion, whereas they feel they deserve reparations. Field shared his comments at an EV conference in London. He says infrastructure is the biggest thing that really has to be nailed for widespread adoption. A lot of coordination is going to be required to get right le- the right levels of compatibility, capability, reliability, in that charging network so people just don't have to worry about it. It's like we have gas stations everywhere. We need charging networks everywhere. And we need the technology to improve so you can charge more 
quickly. So what he's saying is that the that the manufacture of electric vehicles could potentially be outpacing the infrastructure development necessary to support that. Now, one company who's innovating the vehicle space away from electric vehicles is Hyundai, who now ranks first in global hydrogen car sales so far this year. According to reports, Hyundai sold 14,400 hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles worldwide so far in the nine-month period, which is up 10.1% from last year. And this is led primarily by Hyundai's FCEV Nexo, which is having outstanding performance. Almost 8,500 cars as of September, that's up 23, over 23% from last year. By comparison, Toyota ranks second. They've sold just over 2,600 FCEVs as of the third quarter, which is down almost 48% from last year, largely due to slumping sales of the Mirai. Toyota is continuing to struggle with supply shortages due to issues in its supply chain, that coupled with natural disasters and other factors. But combined, Hyundai and Toyota's market share stands at 58.7% and 18.2%, respectively. So widening the gap between the world's first and second largest hydrogen automakers by 40 percentage points. I think it's great to see that you have a company, in this case Hyundai, actually leading and outpacing the introduction of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles into the market over Toyota, who is getting a lot of, let's say, pushback for its position on electric vehicles. In EV news, BMW plans to invest $1.7 billion in the U.S. to produce electric vehicles in South Carolina. The investment will include a billion dollars of production of EVs at BMW South Carolina plant and $700 million for a new battery assembly facility in the state as well. BMW also announced a deal to purchase battery cells from Japan-based Envision, AESC, which will build a new battery cell factory in South Carolina. Electric vehicle startup Canoe said earlier this month that it would build a battery manufacturing facility in Pryor, Oklahoma, with a capacity of 3,200 megawatt hours of production. The company's Pryor facility will make proprietary battery modules, energy management system, and thermal control technology. Canoe added it will be the first electric vehicle company to produce battery modules using hydropower from the Grand River Dam Authority. And in case you're wondering how we're going to track all of these batteries, well, Everledger and Ford have introduced a battery passport pilot for tracking EV batteries. The battery passport concept was launched by the Global Battery Alliance, that's GBA, a multi-stakeholder alliance that brings together 110 leading international organizations. The battery passport is the digital identity of a battery which includes information about its materials and components and ultimately the battery itself. The Passport will use Everledger's Auto ID, blockchain, and AI technologies to track batteries in various EV models for six months in the North American market. The companies will also work with the lithium-ion battery recyclers, service solutions, and Lee Cycle during the pilot. So this is like a vehicle identification number for a vehicle. It just allows a traceability, a trackability for all batteries going into 
electric vehicles. And here's a question. Can EV buses act as batteries on wheels? Municipalities looking to decarbonize both their transportation fleets and their grid appear to have a secret weapon, school buses. EV buses can help municipalities reduce emissions from transportation, which is the biggest source of CO2 emissions in the U.S. They also present an opportunity to bolster the electrical grid through bidirectional charging, programs that can turn buses into batteries. As a result, efforts to make use of electric buses as both transportation and battery storage are now underway across the U.S., particularly in California, which of course is a leader in vehicle-to-grid or VTG experiments. They say if it's a diesel bus, that time that it's sitting there between routes, it's just rotting and leaking fluids and getting tired, whereas the electric bus can do other things in all of that time. Sean Leach, Director of Technology and Platform Management at Highland Electric Fleets, which supplies and manages electric buses for schools, says, we have a very large battery sitting down there basically because there are just batteries on wheels. On the aerospace front, officials at NASA selected a team of 16 scientists and experts who will delve into the mysteries surrounding unidentified aerial phenomena more popularly known as Unidentified Flying Objects, or UFOs. The independent study kicked off just this month. The group will include experts across numerous disciplines, including astrobiology, data science, oceanography, genetics, policy, and planetary science, as well as retired NASA astronaut Scott Kelly, a former fighter pilot and test pilot and retired U.S. Navy captain. The new group, they say, won't necessarily seek to determine exactly what the UAPs which have been seen moving through restricted military airspace over the past several decades are. Rather, the team will look to hash out exactly how it's best for NASA to approach further study of the phenomenon. And now for something a little new we've been working on here, our vehicle recalls. We're not here to cover all vehicle recalls, but definitely some of the more significant safety ones and recalls that affect some of the emerging technologies within within vehicles as well. Starting off, we have owners of older Dodge and Chrysler vehicles were told earlier this month to stop driving after recent airbag deaths. Again, we're not going to get into these in detail. We're going to give you the headlines, and you'll want to go look into these if you think they might affect you. Over 24,000 Tesla Model 3s were recalled in the U.S. over a seatbelt issue. Volkswagen and Audi recalled around 230,000 vehicles over tire pressure monitoring systems. And Tesla also recalled thousands of Model S and X vehicles due to a potential power steering failure that has caused certain Tesla vehicles from 2017 to 2021 to be recalled. So again, if you think these recalls affect you, you might want to go do a little bit of research. And if you go to autoconverse.com and sign up, we'll give you instructions on how you too can get access to our Slack workspace, not just for recalls, but for all the information that we share here and even the information that we don't share here. And finally, going back to the FTX meltdown, I wanted to play one more short clip for you that I found on YouTube about the banking system just to offer up some contrast. All the banks are broke. They're broke because we have a system called fractional reserve banking, which means that banks can lend money that they don't actually have. 
it's a criminal scandal. We have counterfeiting, sometimes called quantitative easing, but counterfeiting by any other name. The artificial printing of money, which if any ordinary person did, they'd go to prison for a very long time. And yet governments and central banks do it all the time. Central banks repress the amount of interest that rate, rates are, so we don't have the real cost of money. Us underneath all this, we talk loosely, in a rather cavalier fashion, do we not, about deposit guarantees. So when banks go broke through their own incompetence and chicanery, the taxpayer picks up the tab. It's theft from the taxpayer. And until we start sending bankers, and I include central bankers and politicians, to prison for this outrage, it will continue. Coming up. The average consumer doesn't buy a car but once maybe every three to five years. So, you know, shopping for a car today is completely different for most folks than the, than the last time they went to buy. So, you know, obviously us as, as car guys, we're well aware that inventory is scarce um, and, you know, you can't just walk into a dealership and, and have hundreds of cars to choose from. And, you know, MSRP is, you know, used to be, you know, nobody paid MSRP. Uh, and, and now for, for most brands, you know, they're charging up an, above MSRP. Hey folks, before we continue, I'd like to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, Apricot Solar. As a listener of this podcast, you hear me talking about rising demand for electricity. And with an increase in demand, you can count on price increases. One way to combat this price hike is with energy independence by producing your own electricity. And one of the best ways to produce your own electricity at home is with solar energy. But not just any home solar energy system. The best way to go is with Apricot Solar. We experience the benefits of solar daily. They are real and undeniable. And even though it's been decades since its invention, there's still a lot of misinformation surrounding solar energy. As an example, the clip you heard me play earlier about solar costing you nothing was from a TikTok channel, and it is misleading. Apricot is here to change that. And that is why Apricot Solar wants homeowners to experience just how affordable and logical solar can be. From custom solutions to installation to financing, Apricot is your leading full-service solar provider. And we currently serve customers in almost every state, including but not limited to California, Nevada, Arizona, Texas, Florida, Colorado, Utah, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and many others. Together with homeowners, Apricot is working to make this clean energy source mainstream, saving you big dollars in the process. We believe the time is finally here to do energy differently. We have to be smarter. There is a better way, and more and more people are understanding that it is right in front of us. At Apricot, solar is finally simple. We want your solar switch to be as smooth and seamless as possible. We're here to answer your questions and a visit to your home is how we set a plan that makes the most sense for you and your family. You do not get just solar panels. With Apricot, you receive a complete net zero home system with service to match. Every component is designed to work together perfectly, from those first rays of sunlight hitting your roof to flicking on your light switch. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash solar 
or text the keyword solar to 855-766-7585 and get started today. You will be glad that you did. This is actually an exercise that originally was created to support uh, folks who are in the middle of an anxiety attack or a panic attack. Okay. Um, to really ground them because, you know, those moments are, uh, can be kind of intense. Um, and then people realize, hey, you don't only need to do this when you're in the middle of a, an anxiety attack. You can do this to prevent one because preventative care is the best kind of care. So let's just say you're uh, on a Zoom call all day. And then you get off and you're on Facebook or you're on YouTube or you're on social media scrolling and watching something. That's not really you taking a break. And most of us have experienced that before. Now, the reason why it's not considered taking a break is it's, be, it's because you're using the same senses you just were. And so you're noticing these moments, the best advice is uh, are always, you know, go take a walk, go eat something, go and, uh, you know, close your eyes and listen to music. And essentially what people are saying is go use some of your other senses. That was life coach Tuzer Lee from B2B Hour on autoconversion, our company blog and website, not to be confused with autoconverse.com, our mobility tech and connectivity blog and podcast that you are listening to. Tuzer was demonstrating his 54321 stress release exercise, which is something we can obviously do from just about anywhere when we only have a minute and need to clear our mind and relax. I do it all the time. Visit Tuzer on the web by going to www.tuzerlee.com. That's T-O-U-G-E-R-L-E-E. All right, let's get into our featured conversation. If you're a regular listener, you know that over the last several episodes, we have touched on the subject of car shopping quite extensively as vehicle prices have soared through most of 2020 and even before that. Another factor that has increased is interest rates for auto financing. Car loan interest rates in the U.S. were over 5% towards the end of September, and the last time interest rates were even near 5% was December of 2018, where they reached their highest value of 4.96%. For the next couple of years, interest rates steadily declined to as low as 3.85% in December 21, helping to cause a bubble in the car market. But since December, rates have been on the rise and are now over 5%. What does this mean for American auto shoppers? Well, aside from adding expense to your vehicle purchases, this also could result in fewer car purchases. The car financing business is huge in the United States due to high sales of both new and used cars. Across the country, over 60 million cars are bought and sold every year, and most of which are financed. Although the sales of cars peaked in the late 1980s and overall have dropped since, 2020 saw the lowest number of cars sold since the 1950s, not necessarily due to rising rates, but certainly a factor. New vehicle sales are expected to continue worsening for the rest of the year, due mostly to supply constraints that eroded initial hopes of the market improving during the second half of 2022. Cox Automotive lowered its forecast two months ago with the seasonal adjusted annualized rate projected to finish the year at 14.4 million vehicles. By comparison, prior to the pandemic, the U.S. was selling more than 18 million new cars each year, so that is more than a 20% drop. 
part of the auto financing process, particularly with new cars, is the value of your current vehicle, which can go towards the purchase of your new vehicle. Now, many dealership websites and third-party automotive sites do offer what is referred to as an instant cash offer. Enter your vehicle information, give us your contact info, and we'll give you an instant cash offer for your vehicles. And in some instances, a guarantee. So how are dealers able to do this without seeing your vehicle, and what's really behind this now standard practice? Well, to put it plainly, it's data. Between a vehicle's identification number, or VIN, and history reports such as Carfax or Experian's AutoCheck, a dealer or wholesale buyer typically has enough information about your vehicle and the current market to make a guaranteed cash offer for your vehicle. Well, is this the best way to go? Like most scenarios, that depends on multiple factors such as timing, your finance situation, your purchase intent, and of course the subtle factors that can go into the value of your vehicle. One thing to keep in mind is that typically this cash offer value is a wholesale value and not necessarily what your car is going to sell for, but that does not mean it's not a good direction to take. We had a discussion about all of this on the MTC show late last month, and in a moment I'm going to play for you the highlights from my conversation with Adam Thrasher from a company called iPreCheck. But rather than me explaining iPreCheck to you, here's Adam explaining it on the show. Yeah, so so our software uh, typically lives on on a dealership's website and uh, basically allows the consumer to find out, you know, both their credit score uh, and what kind of interest rate and how much they can finance uh, with a soft pull. So it doesn't affect their credit whatsoever. Um, we've also got uh, technology that allows them to calculate their vehicle's value, the instant cash offer with it that we'll talk about later. Software also integrates with the dealership's DMS. So if you go into the service drive, they're able to tell you, okay, what's your car worth? And if you wanted to get into a newer vehicle, again, here's here's the kind of interest rate uh, that you can qualify for and, and the amount that you can that you can borrow. Hey folks, this segment of the podcast is brought to you by Ask Auto. You can learn more about Ask Auto and support this podcast by activating your free shopper shield with Ask Auto today by going to autoconverse.com forward slash Ask Auto. That's A-S-K-O-T-T-O. Hey, Dad, are you still looking for a car? Did you know that when you click on car ads, dealers pay for every click? But shouldn't you get paid? After all, you're the one clicking. That's why I use Ask Auto. With Ask Auto, you build rewards as you shop. Plus, Ask Auto recommends exclusive offers based on your needs. You can ask questions on cars you like and still protect your personal information. You can even set your price. Who knew car shopping could be so easy and rewarding? Ask Auto. Fast, fun, and rewarding car shopping. And I think right now, especially with the way the economy is and how much everything has uh, increased in price, um, you know, Fed's been raising the rates. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of brands out there that, you know, they've got adjusted market value of, you know, fifteen hundred to to twenty, thirty, forty, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in some case on on some particular cars. So, you know, from a consumer standpoint, you know, it makes a lot of sense to, you know, one, you know, kind of know where you are in in the scheme of things as far as your credit. But you know, if you don't you know, having, having that technology and going to a dealership's website that, you know, that has a technology like what ours does is helpful because you can find out, you know, know before you go, you know, 
um, you know, what, what kind of rate you can expect. Um, and, and like I said, with, with the way things are, are so different now, I think a lot of people are probably going to be in, in shock of, you know, what, what a new car, you know, loan looks like, you know, especially sure. with the fact that, you know, new cars have increased, um, you know, the prices have increased, you know, the interest rates have increased. And, you know, like you said, the, the average new car loan rate is five point, you know, 5.9%, uh, according to Edmonds at the end of September. And, uh, you know, the, the new car average payment, according to Cox, is 738 bucks. So it's, uh, you know, and used rates are, are even higher. You know, almost 10% is, is what the used car rate are, is now. 5% is not that high for a car loan. This is the national average for new cars specifically. So obviously you can pay a higher interest rate than 5%. It's just averaging out to be that. But as you said, a used car rate could go even higher. Do you know why used car rates are higher? I mean, I, I think just, you know, the rates in general are, are, are much higher, you know, obviously, you know, financing a used car has had used cars have always had higher rates just because, you know, I guess there's, there's more risk, um, to the bank, but, um, you know, 9.2% is, is the data that I found in my research, uh, getting ready for the show today. Um, and the, and the payment has gone up as well from mm -hmm. 440 in the second quarter of last year to 515. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you know, used to walk, you used to have, you know, walk into to a dealership, you know, think, Hey, $300 a month payment is, uh, you know, is, is what I feel comfortable with. But, you know, a lot, of, a lot of shoppers, you know, walking in the, in the, in the door and, uh, have an eye opening experience. Yep. And I wonder how much that's affecting car sales themselves. I mean, car sales are down almost 20% from two years ago. New, I'm talking new car sales. How much of that do you think is attributed to just the total out the door cost, including your financing? And you have to turn well, think, a lot of buyers. I think there's, there's a combination of things, obviously one availability. Um, you know, the fact that most dealerships don't have a car full of lots anymore. Um, you couple that with, with the rising cost in vehicles, the rising rates, um, you know, the, the, the person that used to, you know, get a new car every year or every three years, you know, they may be putting that off, you know, but on the flip side, you know, you know, you're the car you're driving now, you know, that you, when you go to trade it in, it's worth more. So, you know, there's a little bit of compromise there, but I, I think, you know, the, the availability coupled with, you know, the, the price increase and the rates is, has kind of slowed things down, probably more so the availability than anything, because in most of America, you know, you have to have a car to get around. We don't have the best public transit system uh, in, in, in the majority of the country. So you've got to have a car. So the demand is still there. Um, you know, we've seen that with, you know, the market adjustments that, that a lot of dealerships are, are charging and, and, you know, making news about for, for most Americans, you got to have a car to get from point A to B and, and the demand's not going away. So prices keep going up, rates still keep going up, but you know, people are still buying cars. I've got a, I've got a really good friend that works at a Ford store, uh, South of here in Alabama. And the moment that 2023 Maverick, uh, pre-sales went live, 
you know, they had hundreds of customers lined up and Ford shut pre-sales down or pre-orders down three days after the opening. So the demand is there. That's a great point. Demand has not gone down. Even during the pandemic, we saw that, uh, you know, initially uh, dealerships got shut down and within a month they were pretty much all open across the country because people needed their cars and get, get getting in there. Is I pre-check providing uh, an instant cash offer f- uh, widget, I guess you could say, for dealers' websites? Yeah, we've got that. We, uh, we've got a partnership with BlackBook um, to provide all of our valuations. Um, so a dealer or a cus- consumer could go to a dealership's website, uh, click on the widget, and in a moment, you know, a matter of seconds, they can get their value, um, you know, instant cash offer from the dealership uh, based on, you know, market conditions. So, you know, obviously there's, there's quite a few other competitors out there. It's something that we do and, and we also do it again in the, in the service department. So, you know, if you go into a service drive of, of one of our dealerships, they'll be able to provide you with an instant cash offer on your vehicle uh, based on, you know, your make mileage, et cetera. You mentioned that you partner with BlackBook. I don't know if consumers know, well, consumers know BlackBook like they do Kelly Blue Book. That's a consumer brand, right? Or is it more of a dealer brand? Yeah, I mean, it. there's lots of books out there. There's there's NADA, there's BlackBook, there's Kelly Blue Book, which obviously, you know, Cox Automotive owns Kelly Blue Book. So they've got the, the marketing horsepower and budget to get their name out there. Um, so a lot of folks know who, who Kelly Blue Book is. Um, but you know, there's, there's quite a few different books out there, you know, lots of dealerships use MMR or they'll use V auto to scan the market. Um, so yeah, there's, there's quite a few different books out there to, to get your valuations from. All right. That is a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to text the keyword AutoConverse to 855-766-7585. We will send you a link to get subscribed to our YouTube channel. And that way, every time we do our live show, the MTC show, which is a recording session for this podcast, you have the ability to tune in live or at least watch the replay if you like. Uh, This podcast is an entirely different experience from the live show itself. Also, if you're interested, be sure to text the word SOLAR to 855-766-7585. Get information about our new partnership with Apricot Solar, the leading residential home solar company in the U.S. And needless to say, cryptocurrencies are not doing too well right now with the FTX meltdown. Bitcoin dropped into 16K territory for the first time since it was at that level late in 2020, just before shooting up to almost $70,000 per coin a year later in November of 2021. Dogecoin, unfortunately, is back under 10 cents a coin. So I'm thinking it could be a few weeks before we can say to the moon with enthusiasm. Take care, everyone. Ciao. This is Audiburst Media.